0: The following is a presentation of the Bellamp Sports Media Network. The gold hat is back
1: home. The Sooners take down the Texas Longhorns. We're going to talk about that and more here on the Sooner or Later Sports Show. I'm your host, Jay. Thank y'all for pulling up here on the YouTube channel and listening to wherever podcasts are downloaded and listened to while you're here. Please like, subscribe, rate, review, give us five stars. You don't think we deserve it? Give us five anyway and gifted. So. On today's episode of the Sooner Later Sports Show, we got some guests on. And man, we're going to have a blast because I'm going to be 100% honest with all of you. We're going to go in on the Texas Longhorn as well as talk about just how good our Sooners played and how well and what this trajectory is for Oklahoma going forward. We'll break down some of the injuries and some up, you know, breaking news, as well as as soon as up to number five in the AP poll. God, that's what we've been to here, but at the same time, I'm also a little nervous about that. So let's bring on the guest. Let's dive into it. We got Coop. We got Sam he's the man himself from the sellout crowd. What's going on, gentlemen?
0: What's up, guys? Uh-huh. Sam, I'm I'm so happy to have you here, man. Uh, we've been efforting this for a little while, and what 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 better day than today to introduce you to the crowd and to have you come on and just chat it up with us.
2: Man, I'm I'm fired up to be here. Thank you guys so much for having me. It's been uh, you know a crazy 24 hours. You know, I woke up this morning and I still felt a little bit of buzz after watching that game. And I'm jealous of you, Coop. You were there. You were in the moment and. <laughs> Uh, there's nothing quite like the Cotton Bowl. There's nothing like the State Fair of Texas. But in that game, which probably will go down in Oklahoma history, is one of the top, you know, three or four Red River, River games. I mean, its I can't imagine how you feel.
0: Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's its great. Like, I got to go. My father-in-law told me, you know, because I've shared, you know, I've, I had tore three ligaments in my ankle. And so I've been dealing with that stuff. And so I haven't been able to go to a game. And this is my father-in-law just busted out to say, "Hey, I got some tickets. They're not great." And I'm like, "Scott Bowl. Most of the tickets are pretty good." Mm-hmm. And so it was his first Red River, Red River game, and so that was uh, it, it was it's pretty dope to be able to take him and that to be his first experience. So, uh, and we had we had phenomenal people around us who were who were riled up and going crazy, and then we had a couple of Texas fans who. Um, you know, kept it interesting around us too. So, but great on the field, great game, great environment. And Jay, Jay was there too. I think, uh, Jay was, uh, was, was hiding behind Eddie Radosovich uh, down on the <laughs> sideline Nice
2: Man,
1: I wish, I wish life was that great. No, I was up there in like the one thirties at the top, but I, I, the, like you said, there's not really a bad seat within the cotton bowl for the most part you could see everything crystal clear and watching the plays go man my heart was racing the entire game it was just nerves just you name it it was slapping me in the face but i want to jump right into these games but sam first off let the people know where they can find you i know that you've made some moves we've been seeing you as a sellout all over the place on billboards which is always great Fantastic advertising and great wordplay. Tell the people where they can find you.
2: Yeah. So if you follow me on social media, it's just at all American maze. I got drunk one night in like 2011 and forgot the extra A. So it's just American, like, you know, America, (laughs) all American, Uh, all American maze. And then uh, you can find me at in the trenches with Sam Mays on YouTube. Uh, We're pretty thrilled with how the YouTube turnout has been the last uh, couple of weeks. I'm happy to be back in the media. Sellout crowd is fantastic. Go to selloutcrowd.com. You can see all my colleagues uh content and I've got colleagues like Bob Stoops, y'all. Bob Stoops yeah. is on sellout crowd. So if you want to see what Coach Stoops is up to, along with Barry Trammell, Jenny Carlson, a uh, colleague from the uh from their old radio days, Todd Lizenby, Eli Letterman does great work. The Hutchinson Twins do excellent work covering Oklahoma State there on the sellout crowd also. So it's a great group of journalists. We're kind of doing it our way. I uh, don't have any um you know I've I've always had a problem with authority. You know, I, I called my old program uh, director on radio, um, a milk drinker all the time, right? I, th- I nicknamed him Two Percent. So, like, I get to, I get to do it on my own. This is my sound, my voice, uh, my content. So, if you guys enjoy that stuff and you like my personality, <laughs> as aggressive and ridiculous as it could be at times, make sure you follow me at uh, at All American Mays on Twitter and everything else. And once again, in the trenches with Sam Mays on YouTube.
1: I will make sure to put a link to his channel in the uh, description below so you all can go check them out. Definitely show some support to Sam. And Sam, again, thank you for pulling up with us here today on the Sooner or Later Sports Show. So let's dive into this game, y'all. So me and Coop was going back and forth a little bit about this. And just the fact that we went down there to the Cotton Bowl and we did the one thing that everybody told me we couldn't do. And it's funny because it's not that we couldn't win. No one ever said that we just explicitly couldn't win. I was told that Dylan Gabriel couldn't lead a team to victory. Mm -hmm. I was told that we couldn't win in the trenches versus Texas because Texas manhandled Alabama. They just destroyed them. We can't defend their wide receivers because they're just so good and so fast, and it's impossible to stop them. And even with an injured tight end, Sanders was going to just eat us alive. So I thought that was funny because now we see what happened. As the game unfolded, Dylan Gabriel went out there and accounted for 398 yards of the 400 and something yards we had in this game. 113 rushing, 285. So we're going to start on the offensive side of the ball. Talk to me. Gentlemen, Sam we will start with you off as a guest. Offensively,
2: what jumped out to you in this game? What what got your attention? First, let me tell you this. Did you see my prediction from yesterday? I didn't. Okay, so I got up yesterday morning, called my dad, who was an All-American nose guard at West Point, and I told him that I was struggling with my pick here, right? We've been rolling around this game for an entire week. Who's going to do what? How's this going to go, you know, can Oklahoma stand up against the mighty Longhorns who beat Alabama and Tuscaloosa? So my pick was 31-28 Sooners. And in my pick, I put Oklahoma would have two turnovers, and when the dust settled, Dylan Gabriel will leave being the best player on the field. That's what my prediction was. For today. So when I tell you... As that game unfolded, I wasn't really surprised. I really wasn't, right? Uh, Offensively, I think DG, what people don't realize, that we can go back to talk about the Spencer Rattler-Caleb Williams relationship, right? Rattler comes into that season with Caleb Williams behind him. What happened to Spencer? He fell apart. The pressure of having Caleb Williams behind him was too much for Spencer Rattler, and you saw it from game one as Caleb would pace up and down the sidelines. And look, Caleb, I'll be honest with you. He trolled Spencer into getting that on social media, all kinds of things. The way Caleb Williams just reacted as the backup did not help Spencer Rattler have success. Come to 2023, here comes Jackson Arnold, who is built like someone's grown-ass dad, has got a (laughs) can of an arm, can run the football extremely well, is physically ready to play big-time college football right now. Dylan Gabriel goes into the spring with this young man right behind him, nipping at his heels. What's Gabriel do? He rises to the occasion. He had a great spring, had a great summer. He led his football team. And here he is this season, 2023, more polished than he's ever been. His short game is great. Mid-range game, which was non-existent a year ago, is one of the best in the country. He's throwing great deep balls. And now we get to see how athletic this kid truly is, as he was the leading rusher in this game. Dylan Gabriel is a star. And I've been saying it for three weeks now, but no one's trying to hear it. That kid is going to be a Heisman finalist this year. I can't believe it. Here we are again with the University of Oklahoma with a kid that is going to show up and be one of the nation's top quarterbacks. It's like they find these guys in cabbage patches somewhere. Like, how do they (laughs) keep doing it? But The conveyor belt. I was blown away by him. I was blown away by Dylan Gabriel's performance yesterday.
1: Yeah, we got a conveyor belt of them. You know, we just you – know, in the back, back – actually in Coop's basement, I think, he's actually got them where he starts assembling or whatnot. That's how he makes extra money on the side or whatnot. Coop. Coop offensively, man, what jumped out to you in this game? What was what, something that – a nugget or something that really got your attention about the way this team performed?
0: Um, I mean, again, we saw Texas – their defense, right? It was – it was – this offense was – I. I Basically, um, a a glorified NFL offense, um, you know, just between, and listen, Texas is a very good team. We did not find out that Texas was a fraud. We, this game was more about Oklahoma and what we learned about Oklahoma, not what we learned about Texas. Texas is a great team. Texas is, I mean, they, Jatavian Sanders, if you've been watching Brock Bowers, to say that Jatavian Sanders is the second best tight end in the in the NFL draft, you know, this coming next year, that's no knock on Jatavian Sanders. That's just because Brock Powers is that dude. Uh, he is the next one, and um, Georgia uses him like so. And so, Jatavian Sanders, uh, worthy. Um, Ad Mitchell, all these guys, these these great these great talents. Um, we heard that the defense of Texas was really the strength of their football team. And how's Oklahoma going to hold up the running game? How are we going to do that? My prediction was we just need 135 yards rushing. That is your bare minimum of what you need to win. What we learned here is Oklahoma is no longer that Lincoln Riley, Texas Tech North finesse (laughs) offensive line team with the the GC counter. It's no longer that. This is a team... Who has, you guys know, Sam, this is our, our tradition here on Unfair Sports is with the, every time you hear competitive depth, you take a drink. So, competitive
2: depth. <laughs> um,
0: allowed. There you go, Sam. That's what I like to see, brother. Um, so, you saw their big nose tackle sweat. He was causing havoc. Mattire goes down. You roll in Caden Green. And sweat got dried up. It was done. So you saw Oklahoma bring everything from the get-go, from a physicality standpoint on offense. Um, they, they knew that Dylan Gabriel was going to be able to run. They knew that Dylan Gabriel was going to have that opportunity. And you saw Dylan Gabriel in this game was absolutely he took this and he said, "You know what? Again, same. Nobody's brought that up. It, with the, you know, my thing with the whole like Caleb Williams, Spencer Rattler was, yeah, it's because Spencer Rattler didn't garner that leadership on the team that Dylan Gabriel has. So it's a completely different scenario with Jackson Arnold bringing down his neck. I will say this: today we are going to talk about several different people that have been on the proverbial shit list, and you need to let go." Of all this criticism of Dylan Gabriel on offense, the offensive line, Bill Bedenbaugh, the running backs, we found a way to win, and it was an absolute, it was an absolute thing of beauty because, I mean, they were put in some tough scenarios. That, that, that the the field position early in the game was was really really rough, you know, with that block punt, and it, it just was tough. And so Oklahoma not only went out was tougher on offense, tougher on defense. But they went out with a game plan, and you got to see a chess match between Sark, who I want to talk about him when we get there, because I fully believe that Sark was not reading press clippings. Sark knew what this was. Sark knew what this game was. I gained a lot of respect for Sark in this game, because Ooh. he came out and he played, and, and, and I'm going to try to stay on the offensive side of the thing. He came out and he played as if he had a battle on his hands from the snap. And that's, and I think that he did know that because when you come out and you are supposed to be the better team, you're not running fake punts, you're not going for multiple fourth downs or any of that stuff. You go up and you you want you want to see that game plan rolling, and you're confident in your day game plan. Sark knew that he had a battle coming, and I and again my sign off of this past week was that forty nine to nothing shit. It, it, it is it, the, the, the <laughs> clock is ticking. It, it, Language. You get your last couple in. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Get, get, yeah, get, get your in. last. Get your last ones in because 49 to zero is not what we can talk about anymore. We can talk about now 34 to 30. And when I looked at the offense in this one, it's funny because, and I'm gonna pass this to you all to give me a key play, one play that probably jumped out to you the most, but there was one play in this game that made me realize not only is Oklahoma for real, but we have been we were owning them the entire time in the trenches. When we stopped them on defense, those four straight plays at the one-yard line, we stopped them. We got the ball. We got the ball at the one, back to their band. We're trying to figure out what to do and how to get up out of this hole. We handed the ball to Tybee Walker. He ran for like 14 yards. At that point, I knew we had Texas. We had them on edge because you just got stuffed, and you're not mad enough. To figure out a way to go all in to stop the team from running because you know they're going to run the ball to get out of the end zone. You didn't go all in on that. You didn't go send more dudes. Out. Like, I mean, sure, we could have possibly ran a play action, but how many teams actually run play action in the end zone when you know that you have a quote unquote superior defense in front of you, right? We handed the ball to Ty. Wee. We opened a hole. That dude was gone. Got a space. And after that, it was history. So from that, it, when you think about the game and how it flowed, what was a play that jumped out to you the most? Sam, I'll pass it to you first. What was a play that made you say, yeah, I'm liking this Oklahoma team right now?
2: <laughs> well, I would say, you know, I one, Dylan Gabriel, once again, superstar potential <laughs> there. Um, but I think the thing that really kind of – the play that really made me feel something, Tyree Walker, I want to say it might have been a third and four – maybe a a second and four, regardless. Mm -hmm. He takes an inside handoff, gets into the line of scrimmage, and gets stuffed like a yard and a half from the first down, right? You think the play is over. Well, then he leans forward and literally pushes two or three Longhorns over the line of scrimmage, and it made me stand up out of my seat, right? Like that's big boy football. That's a mentality. That's an attitude. That's what summer conditioning is. That's what being Schmitty built is. And I think that that just mentality there that Oklahoma was not going to be denied is basically what you saw all day long. Like, you want to talk about – I mean, let's talk about the initial kickoff. Sooners fly down the field. Get, you know, not – get the guy down probably inside the 15-yard line. And they're hopping up and down. The emotion is all there. You never saw that from Texas. Like, it was like Oklahoma showed up. They knew exactly what the plan was. They knew it was going to be a tough physical game. And they were welcome to the challenge. I mean, all day long, you saw great plays like Walker pushing those guys back to get that first down. It was, it was awesome. I think
1: what made me laugh about that, and you, and you mentioned on that first play, I've been hearing Texas fans say, oh, I think the plan was Worthy was supposed to throw the ball or somebody was supposed to throw the ball and then they were going to be gone. There was no way Oklahoma was going to catch him. And I'm just like, yeah, I think he got nervous. He caught that ball and he saw what was coming at him how fast they were coming at him. And he's like, yeah. if I throw this ball, it's going to get knocked down and they're probably going to score. I better go ahead and just, you know, figure it out and he did and so of course like you said sam we got out down there we got excited and you just felt the energy from this team and texas fans keep telling me "Oh, this was the game we were only game we prepared for all year the only game we cared about nah this is red river you have to prepare for this game all year if you don't then you're stupid because anything can happen in this game we've seen we've seen texas teams with losing records walk in and beat undefeated oklahoma teams in this game because why It's Red River. We don't know what's going to happen. Well, besides the fact that Oklahoma's going to win about, you know, 70% of them. But we just know that it's going to be something crazy. So, cool. what was an offensive play that jumped out to you that really got your attention and made you perk up, stand up, whatever?
0: I'm going to go with uh, something similar to what Sam said. And it was another guy who we have completely written off as unathletic, no longer the same guy, no place on this team, and just really ain't it. And that's uh, Austin Stogner. There were multiple times Austin Stogner. The past two games, we finally needed him, and he's been there. But he had another one to where he catches the ball, and the ball—I mean—with good tackling, he's two yards short. But he got he got stacked up, and then he decides that he is going to roll off and continue to fight. And he so he catches the ball, and he's got this swarm, and he is just. He reminds me of any movie where you see like the big guy catch the you know catch the flea flicker and he's just running with dudes on mm-hmm. his back like Billy Bob from uh from call uh, whatchamacallit way back when and so but he he rolls over and he just plows him down. But I, I still think the greatest offensive play of the game, and Sam, I'm gonna I'm gonna touch you in your feels right here. Did you see Walter Rouse on the final touchdown pass? <laughs> he is got two Texas defensive lineman, yeah. one in each hand and he is just holding him off just holding him off also you had Caden Green plowing somebody in sweat back into the end zone so right then and there you you saw the the, the final play of the game was OU handling Texas in the trenches OU with Levy runs that motion with Nick Anderson. He lines up on the right side of the line. He comes across. They pass him off for the last play of the game. Now all of a sudden, Texas isn't reacting. They're thinking. And then all of a sudden, we have a touchdown. So, again, whether you go first play of the game, last play of the game, whatever it is, it it was about OU just going, hey, we're we're taking the fight to you. Because, Sam, with your prediction and props to your pops is – uh, you got to look at it. Is is Dylan Gabriel had the chance? He has one chance in Red River, River, one chance, and that's why he throws out there. We have heard so many different variations of this. You know what? What is your Red River moment? This th- this is going to be in highlight films. It's going to be around for a very very long time. And now Dylan is is uh, you know probably got his tickets pretty sewn up. I don't know if he wins. And I, you know, again, to say is Dylan Gabriel the best player in college football? I, I have trouble saying that. But is Dylan Gabriel going to represent the University of Oklahoma again in New York? Most likely. I I, I yeah. got to think he's now the third the third leading odds between Penix and Kayla Williams.
1: And
2: it you makes know, sense. Go ahead, Sam. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm glad, Coop, that you pointed out the battle between Sarkeesian and Venable's. You know, as much as we want to hate on Texas, and look, I, I've got PT. Texas is the only school that I did not beat when I was at Oklahoma State. I've got PTSD every time I see Vince Young's face on television. Oh. So I legitimately <laughs> have a real hatred uh, for the University of Texas. But let's let's talk about this game, like real talk. Those are two good football teams, right? Two yeah. very well-coached uh, football teams. And I, I think Coop nailed it in the beginning of this. You know, both showed a tremendous amount of respect for each other. Sarkeesian showed up to win that game, and he was not messing around. At all. He was going to pull out every single stop that he could. He was going to do everything in his power to find a way to get an advantage. Advantage and Venables were doing the same thing. Uh, And look, sometimes Sark won and sometimes uh, BV won, right? This was a back and forth forth matchup. But the thing you've got to understand here is both teams executed their coaches' plays very, very well, right? This was a well-executed football game. We're still talking about, you know, being relatively early in, in the season. Kids are still out there making mistakes. They don't practice nearly as hard or as long as they used to. You know, 20 years ago, I had three days. 20 years ago, I bet you I took another 700 or 800 live snaps in the fall before the season got started than these kids do today. So it takes a minute, right? It takes a minute to get them up to speed. But what you saw in this game was a couple of teams that looked like they were in, you know, better than mid-season form. And I I just loved it. I thought it was high-level execution across the board and when it came down to it you know it did it did end with about who's tougher right who's badder who's meaner who's more physical that was 100 what got this done for oklahoma but man that was a very good game and it allows me to look at an ap and oklahoma in the top five and be excited about it for the first time in a decade we've seen oklahoma ranked number one in the last 10 years number two in the last 10 years three in the last 10 years but every single time somebody had some shit to say about it, right? Well, this is BS right. because they've got no defense. This is BS because they can't stop anybody or it doesn't, you know, all that happened every, Street did an entire hour special, I feel like, on why Oklahoma isn't a national championship contender at one point. This team shows up in your top five in the AP this week. No one's saying anything about it, I promise you. I promise you. That defense is-, is the real deal. They got a Heisman Trophy candidate quarterback. They got a stable of of running backs. They got three or four receivers that are excellent route runners and catch the ball extremely well. This is a well bu- built, highly knowledgeable, educated football team, and they're they're the real deal. Yeah, it's
1: funny because, and you say that that especially about wide receivers. That was our quote unquote weakest or the room that had the most questions going into the season. That was the one room we were trying to figure out: Are they any good? Like. Are they good enough to win, or is, is, who's going to step out and be the number one? And it's just been a plethora of players just having games. Is whoever decides right. that they want to step out, they're going to do it. And like right now, so you know, injury update: Andre, Anthony um, haven't seen anything official out there, but it, it it probably don't look good. The way he limped off, the way he couldn't put pressure on that knee on that leg, it's either knee or ankle. And I'm nervous. I'm nervous that we may not have Andre going forward. And he was having a breakout season as that transfer from Michigan. He was looking good. He was looking like – well, yeah. correction, he was the number one receiver. He's making all the catches. And it would have been easy to pick that Nick Anderson catch at the end for the game-winning touchdown as the big play for the game as the trendsetter. But that was the one that won it, you know. But there were so many plays in this game that jumped out to me. I'm just like – Oh, yeah, we're ready. The Jaleel Farouk deep catch. He was just like, you're not going to beat me, and I'm going to make this catch. He had, what, 130 yards. It d- Between Gabriel and the way the wide receivers played in this game, Drake Stoops and that long catch that he made across the middle, and he dipped up field to get us into really good range to even try to tie the game. Um, like, there was so many great things that happened. And on top of that, there was mistakes. Like, I've got a video coming out tomorrow where I'm going to kind of dissect some of the issues. We had some miscues, some stupid penalties. We dropped passes. The, the Dylan Gabriel low pass to Ty Wee. He was throwing it to a running back. So if it's not perfect, it ain't going to probably get caught. That was a touchdown. would have given us a bigger lead. We Our special team sucks right now. We can't scared.
2: punt. I'm not going to let you. I'm not going to sit here on this show. <laughs> And let you put that <laughs> shit on Dylan Gabriel. Okay, Fair point. Fair. Both Fair. your hands. Fair. I don't. Care. This is high level Division One football. That ball touches both your hands. You should catch it, no matter what.
0: I'm not letting you put that on. the Fair. Fair. You're. Yeah. You're right.
1: You're right. You're, As, right. you're right.
0: You're right. Let me because all all, all. all. he has to do. All he has to do is secure and then fall back. Fall. That's all. Yeah. yes yeah. I do, do is secure and
1: fall. Touchdown. We take a touchdown lead yeah. and have a field goal, and the game's different. But my more so. My point is. There were mistakes made that prevented us from being up more points. There were, there were things that could have had us, we could have won this game by double digits. We could have had a conti- yeah. we could have had, instead of being up 10 points like we were, we could have been up 17. Like there were so many opportunities that we we left meat on the bone. Just as Texas yeah. fans would say they <laughs> left meat on the bone. We left meat on the bone. We I should have Suter completely Benji. ate all of that. Y'all are
2: so crazy. Sooner fans are so crazy. And you're not necessarily wrong, but I think you gotta look at the atmosphere overall in this thing. You know, you're talking about some miscues that were forced by the cotton bowl, right? You get down to that Texas size and they have some miscues on the snap, right? Dylan Gabriel mm-hmm. can't hear anything. The sweat dude was so big, and early in that game, Gabriel couldn't even see over the line of scrimmage and he's in there making yeah. some mistakes. I mean, some of those things were were forced. I'm I'm with you. This was not this was not a perfect game by Oklahoma, and they can improve, and they will offer this. And let me tell you something: if that offensive line improves by two or three percent every game from here to the rest of the season, Oklahoma's is a national championship contender. But they've got to get better up front on the offensive line. Yeah. They got to figure out a way to do that. No question. There there was some meat left on the bone, but you've got to respect the magnitude of the situation in front of you, and sometimes that can be overwhelming to to a, t- a football team. No doubt.
1: Oh, yeah. And there's a lot of players yeah. that never played in the Cotton Bowl. So, you know, and some we got a lot of transfers and that leads us great right into the defensive side of the ball. But before we do that, thank you all for pulling up. We see you in the comments section. Man, we've got like almost two hundred and twenty five people in here. We're not ignoring you. Thank you. Drop your questions. We're going to go do a Q&A at the end. Uh, I'm going to start tagging stuff so it's to go through. But before Gosh, we can go dire. into the questions, please wipe your feet. When you walk into this house, hit that like button. If you're new to the channel, subscribe, wipe your feet. Y'all know the rules around here. We need to make sure that uh, feet are clean as we continue to this conversation. So let's jump at And look at that. The numbers started jumping, too. As soon as I said, wipe your feet. I love y'all.
0: <laughs> hey, Jake, I, I, I do want to point out something that Brian brings up. It, it was a super, super crucial play is that bad snap. Dylan goes back. He has the ball. Oh, my God to get that ball, roll out. Now, so I mean, smart. that's a lot of luck. That's a lot of luck because that ball bounces straight up. You see these things happen all the time. If he just falls on the ball, that's a bad situation. Correct. But dude gets up, rolls, yeah. gets it past the line of scrimmage, knows everything. And yeah. if anything tells you about Dylan Gabriel and the difference between a polished season quarterback, he probably avoided some stuff like that where a Jackson Arnold may have just fallen on the ball or oh, yeah, to try to run.
2: That's an old man's play. No question. Yeah. you know, I, I watched the yeah. ball go back and like you, everybody seizes up in that moment. I'm sure you guys were in the stands and I was doing it at home, but to watch him get outside that hash mark and then throw that ball, not only to the sidelines, but somewhere near receiver. Like it was literally yeah. the perfect play for the situation. That's one of those moments where, you talk about miscues, but he salvaged what could have been a catastrophic moment. Because look, after, the one thing that we definitely need to mention here is Oklahoma special teams a little bit, a little bit weird. Hey, some of those hey, things, right? I don't
1: think it's weird. I think it's bad. Yeah, and <laughs> so I
2: think that once Texas started getting that, you know, imagine if he doesn't do that, and he just and like Coop said, he just falls on that ball. What's going to happen next in that punt? Right. What's going to happen there? Texas is going to pin their earbags and they might go get that one. And it changes the entire course of the football game. It's little moments like that. We always want to talk about the, you know, the touchdown passes or the great runs or any of those, but it's moments like that, that win you football games, right?
0: Yeah, Yeah. it's, it's, it's the hidden yardage is what you see is, it's the things that don't show up on stat sheets. And so, which makes a great transition to that defense because Jay, I know you want to go there
1: yeah we gotta move into the defense or whatnot you know like i said wipe your feet y'all doing a great job on that we appreciate the y'all pulling up so let's talk about the defense and there's a there's a defensive play that jumped out to me and uh shout out to my boy ty hayes over around the table sports you know he does fantastic content he had a um he did the recap for the game and one thing that jumped out to him was similar to me so Texas was doing their favorite, I think it's like a bubble screen play, I guess you could say. You know, fake the handoff, he turns around, he's going to throw it. Jonah Laulu recognized that play immediately and started following and getting in the passing lane of where it's supposed to go. So if Quinn was going to throw it to that running back or uh, the wide receiver, whoever's over, I guess actually the running back, he's going to have to lob it. And of course, you know, if you lob it against this Oklahoma defense, dude's going to get hit right in the throat. And he's probably going to drop the pass, right? So Quinn didn't want to set his guy up, so Ethan Downs yanked him down, got the sack, right? The first thing Ethan does is jumps up, gets right on Quinn yours, and starts to taunt him. You see Bothroyd and Ford snatch Downs up and yank him back. Like, no, 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 we ain't doing that. This game's not over yet. We're not, we're not, we're not going to get put ourselves in that situation. That play right there. He, he goes in, and when he's over him, they pull him. Like, if you watch the play, you see him pull yeah. back, and I was like... And then I think uh, Captain 405 actually, uh, what's good, Cap? He actually tweeted it as well. And I was like, that to me shows me the discipline this defense has. They recognize that, hey, that's possibly a 15-yard time. We don't need to give them more yards. Don't give them free plays. Stop giving them – this. that Trace Ford penalty, that's the reason why Texas scored. If Trace Ford doesn't give them that 15 yards, they don't get that Jonathan Brown. It was a
2: pretty weak penalty.
1: It was very weak. They were – you know, they were – they, I guess trying to control the situation in the area, but at the same time as Big 12 refs. So I've lost my uh, – I've lost my uh, <laughs> respect for them anyway. So, Sam, anything on defense really jumped out to you, and you can expand on the defense as well from there too.
2: Yeah, no, I, I think across the board, you know, just looking at that defense so far this season and the reason why I was so confident coming into this game is it's not necessarily about the individual, right? I mean, you you mm-hmm. got to give a nod to Danny Stutzman. And he is. I think he has a tremendous understanding of that defense. When they line up, you go back and watch 10 years of film Oklahoma defensively, what were they doing pre-snap? Everybody's looking around. Everybody's pointing fingers. Everybody's asking questions. What do we do? What do we do? Now, those dudes know what they're doing, and they know how to execute. So that's been 100% the tip of the spear for that Oklahoma defense. But the thing that stuck out the most to me is Ethan Downs across the board. And I've, I've got a weird story to tell you about, because what this so much reminded me of was Kevin Williams in 2002. We're going to play Nebraska for the first time. And for those who don't remember Kevin Williams this year, 2002, he was a 13th pick in the first round. Who was Kevin Williams before the Nebraska game? Nobody. He was six foot five, 295 pounds. He was a good football player, but he was blockable, right? Somebody that I could block as a sophomore felt very comfortable blocking him in practice. He was not a threat to me. Something happened the week of that Nebraska game. K-Dub gets in that game. He's got three sacks, like three tackles for a loss, and he literally looked like a feral animal for four quarters of football. And I'm watching Ethan Downs yesterday, and that's what it reminded me of. It's like, holy crap, something has clicked, right? He has figured it out. This kid goes from – I would call him a – I would say that he's a good football player. I would say that he's a good run stopper. I would say he's an average pass rusher before this game. And then I watched four quarters of him terrorize the Texas offensive line, who is not bad. Four quarters of him abusing running backs in the secondary, like the audacity that they were sending back after that dude. He crushed some tailbacks coming off the edge. They tried to start, they tried to get help. Like they all of a sudden, Texas is in the situation. We're on the sidelines. They're like, who was 40? where did he come from? What do we do with him? And they're scrambling, trying to find ways to get their tackles help to block Ethan Downs, who has not impressed me in his pass rush all season long. So I don't know what it was. I don't know what got to him. But let me tell you something. If that boy continues on this streak, we go from Ethan Downs being a relatively unknown college football player to working himself into a first round conversation. That's how good His performance was on Saturday. He was exceptional across the board. I'm looking at him, and let me tell you something also that's great in this game. How about the conditions? The weather conditions, that played a huge factor in this for both teams because now Ethan Downs and his 280-pound body, he could have played another quarter because it was cool, right? So those dudes just played at this intense level the entire game. He was magnificent. Every single play Ethan Downs was in the game, he hurt somebody. He was violent every single snap. He, to me, is the MVP of the whole thing.
1: Oh, man, I love that because that I was thinking about Ethan Downs, uh, besides that play with him. I was like, man, he got two sacks, he got credit for two sacks in this game and attack before loss. And it's like, we've been sa- asking questions to if Ethan Downs should start or if we should go ahead and put the freshman, PJ, out of True, or state.
0: not.
2: Yeah. You know what I'm saying? We've been hearing Absolutely. that a lot.
1: Our Mason Thomas, is he healthy? Let's put him in instead. Ethan has earned the right now to be there and be the main guy rotating in. You are so right, Sam. That, to me, is huge for him, not only in his draft stock. I mean, confidence. He should feel great about himself, the way he was abusing a really good Texas offensive line.
2: Yeah, then well, Those guys can play. On paper. Well paid. Well paid. Yeah. On there. yeah. Well paid.
1: And he looked like it when we played against yep. him. The trenches was ours. Cool. What jumped out at you on the defensive side? What we'll play got your attention?
0: All right. So I said mm-hmm. we're going to be doing this. Uh, it is apology hour. When I saw Ethan Downs, kind of like David mm-hmm. Guaybu, on the preseason All-Big 12, I, I said it here. I said it on Jason's show. I said it everywhere I needed to say it. Like, this guy may not even play very much. But, Sam, you got it right. Something happened. I don't know. Somebody kicked his dog. Somebody made fun of his mama. Somebody did something, because he also there was one play to where and, and, and I can't remember. It was one of the times that Quinn uh, scrambled out, and uh, man, I wanted I, I want to say it was Pearson or Bowen came up and he was right there too. It was a scramble play, but Downs was there again. It was a it, we had him in the backfield. He escaped you know from seven or yards deep. And then we ended up getting him with like a two-yard loss on, on a scramble. And he got up on that one. And I think somebody mentioned it too. But he, he got up and he started to kind of look down. And that was before the big sack. But Sam said 100%. Um, this, was, this was a team game. And I'm going to point out a play that you will not see on the stat sheet. It was in the sequence where Texas has first and goal from the one. When you saw that sequence... Go back and watch it and see how many guys gave up their life for the play, not for the glory of it. Um, on the second, on the second play, second down from the one, Desan okay, so they run out Byron Murphy and sweat, right? These are two 330, 340 pound guys, Mm -hmm. and they run them guys out there, Desan McCullough. Sam, you're. I mean, you go back and watch this play because this will bring this will put a smile on your face because Sweat is right there up on the line of scrimmage. Deshaun McCullough realizes that if he blows up that block, it opens up somebody else. Yeah, yeah. And, and so he just. I mean, he took one step forward and he drilled the absolute crap out of him, which blew him back. Running back takes the takes the angle, and three guys are there. It was just nuts. And then you have Billy Bowman on the fourth down play. I, I, I promise you, you run that exact same play. everybody knows what's going on. You run that five or six more times and it's got to be perfect. And it was perfect. I mean, he got him and he and he, he held on and he just wrenched back. And <clears throat> I think I saw a few people saying, oh, it should have been a face mask because he his ass was already on the ground and he was pulling <laughs> it, he was just pulling yeah. him back. Until he was heard damn. the whistles. He heard the whistles, and he was still going. Why? Because you play through that. And so, uh, on the defense, um, Texas had two turnovers. Or uh, Quinn Ewers had two turnovers up to that point. And maybe you know, just Texas point, yeah. all, all, all together. And then, you know, we go out. Right from the get-go, Quinn double-clutches on that slant and decides to let it loose. And Gentry, right from the get-go, pulls it down, and, and he rolls out. Um, we had a lot of injuries, so, I mean, you know, for our Texas friends here, mutual respect is going out right now, and and I just want to say this is, you, you know, we're rolling out uh, Key Lawrence, who at corner at the end of the game when Gentry had to go out. Yep. It was, I mean, it was a team effort, and it was right up the bit. you didn't even have to see – I think we got five sacks, but you didn't even have to see um, just necessarily the sacks. Quinn, I mean, he had a pretty proficient – game and Oklahoma has with this defense has fought and fought and fought and you got to do a lot of things right in consecutive um, in consecutive um possessions in order to do something against this team so you look at Quinn's numbers I think he had like 5 or 6 incompletions and he had what was it like 17 hit, in a row he at had one 6
1: point. he was 31 for 37 he had 19 straight completions I think he's like 21 for 22 at one point in the game it was absurd he was really yeah. dotting the ball
0: yeah, but at and, the same time, and you know as what?
2: Much you got to give him credit for doing that. You know, it, it wasn't like they were giving up a bunch of uh, yards. Know, huge, deep chunk plays, yeah. right? Like that kid can execute. And you know, when you talk about yours and his progression over the last couple of years, he's also put in the work mentally and physically. That's a good yeah. quarterback. And the thing that you have to appreciate about Oklahoma, and, and I think it was Jay that keeps saying it's a or Coops keeps saying it's a team effort. You're 100 percent right. Like, it just shows you how well-coached and disciplined Oklahoma is. They never got themselves out of whack. They never got themselves mm-hmm. in a situation where they started to freak out because viewers was having success. How many Lincoln yeah. Riley teams did we watch that were just fragile? Like, that's the word that I would use to describe Oklahoma in the last 10 years. Even when they were out there winning 10, 11 games, they were so fragile. Oh, no, the other team scored early. Oh, no, we're down by 10 points. And then what would happen? They would just completely fall apart. Ten, five years ago, you let Quinn Euros go out there and complete you know 19 passes in a row, and the Sooner defense is running around like their house is burning down. Those yeah. dudes line up. They mm. went to work. Great coverage. Sure tacklers. Multiple guys to the ball each and every time. And then how about this? Every single person on that team, turnover is on the brain. They go out there, and they're yeah. beating on the ball. They're punching on your arm. Do you know how hard it is? Imagine if I just followed y'all around for an hour and just repeatedly punched you in the bicep every time you had a football in your hand. Like that stuff is a process, right? It takes time. And they just really beat on those kids for the entire game. They're so well coached. They're so disciplined. This is one of the best Oklahoma football teams I've seen in the last 20 years.
1: I agree with that. Exactly. It makes me think about the 2000 team, and I keep referencing that, and I'm, I keep trying to tell everybody it's no coincidence on the jump from last year to this year like it was from 99 to 2000. There is a lot of similarities, and, I mean, the biggest one is Brent Venables being defensive coordinator year one and then year two. You, you notice and him as head coach he's being more involved with the defense. The big thing that jumped out to me, too, on this is just how meticulously prepared they have been on both sides of the ball. That Gentry Williams interception is funny because Herb Street was saying on the broadcast, you could see that Quinn kind of double clutched it a couple times. He double clutched it, and then he just went. Ahead. He was hesitant, and then he went ahead and threw it. And you could see it was because Gentry read the play, and he yeah. was just waiting for him. He was like, "I'm baiting you. Do it, do it, do it." And the minute he did it, he jumped across and took the ball. Which Gentry Williams is going to be a star. Keep that in mind going forward. But outside of that, when you went to that, your what you called out, Coop. Love you talking about the four stops. That was I lost my mind because that was the best I've ever seen a defensive line from Oklahoma play in probably 15 years. Absurdity. But there was one thing in that the first stop. A lot of people didn't catch it. I'm a big Kip Lewis fan. You know he's the red shirt freshman, six one, but he's like like two ten. He's a linebacker, right? Got to get your weight up, right, Sam? You know, when you think about a linebacker, 2 teams, he probably get your weight up. He he was smart enough to bust through that line, got low, and he grabbed Jonathan Brooks' ankles at the beginning and made it to where we stopped him on the first stop. And he was a yeah. part of every play afterwards. And I was like, dang, because a few people have told me, Jay, I get your thoughts on the way, blah, blah. Kip is too good. He's a monster. He'll be fine at his weight. He'll figure it out. I'm like, all right, the 210 makes me nervous at a linebacker. Nah, he shut me up. That was one of those. I grabbed my paper, wrote it down. Yep. Yeah, Kip Lewis shut Jay up for talking about his weight because he was out <laughs> there putting his weight on those right. offensive linemen and making play. You can't read that. Yeah. And then McCullough. McCullough's my favorite transfer we got. I watched him at Indiana and watched his ability to get around those really, really big, big 10 offensive linemen. If there's anything the Big 10 has, it's huge offensive line. They may be slow, but they're all huge. And McCullough growing his ability to get around him or push him down. I was like, okay, I think he's gonna do something here. Like you said, Coop, he ran straight into Murphy, pushed him into sweat, and literally Jonathan Brooks, like, I have nowhere to go. Stop. It. Yeah. I give me more of that, please. Please give me more of that. Brent Venable's meticulous preparation for these games is what's getting this defense together. And my goodness, the sky's the limit if they keep this up. All they got to do is you keep know, executing and let attrition not take us out.
2: You said to start talking about goal line stands. And when I, at the end of the season, I promise you that moment in this game will be one of the greatest moments of the 2023-24 college football season, period. Agreed. Uh, it just doesn't happen, right? And to the point that I would tell you in my career, there was one goal line stand that we did not have success in. One and I'll never forget it, and it happened in that Cotton Bowl in a bowl game against Eli Manning and Old Miss, and I am still, to this day, when I think about it, haunted that we didn't get the ball in the end zone. It literally is the will to get the job done. And in that moment, I, if you would have asked me after that goal line stand, is Oklahoma going to win this game? I would have said absolutely yes. Because Texas didn't have the will to get it in. Like, your whole, the whole offense has an advantage. Why? We know the snap count. I get to move before you move, period. Mm -hmm. And so in those situations, when the ball is on the goal line, it's so difficult to stop it because the offensive line gets to go first. And so when I can take my power step before you move your body, there's no way that you should stop me. My coach told me as a kid, you should never lose those battles, period. And I never did, except for that one single time, right? And so to do it four times in a row is outrageous, especially with an offensive line like Texas has. Like, that just tells you, you want to talk about guts, you want to talk about toughness, you want to talk about the will to win, that's what this team is made of right there. That's who they are. And if I was BV, I would show them that every pregame before, every single game, that would just be on a loop before I took the field for the rest of the season. Like, remember this moment, right? Remember this stand. Remember when we said we would not be taken. It was fantastic. It was awesome.
1: I would put a video, right?
2: Like, that's like a made Mm -hmm. It's like a movie. Yeah. No,
1: yeah, it's a good point. I would have a video. Uh, I'd have TVs throughout the facility with that on loop that says "Do it again," and then show it, "Do it again," and then just keep showing it over, just like you said. Because yeah, that's the thing that if this team can keep that mentality, like I said, it's guy's limit.
0: Yeah, and, and 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 you also have, I mean. This year you've already got I mean, the stat shows up when I was re-watching the game that uh, you know OU leads the nation in interceptions, right? And so um you saw film study with Gentry Williams. He, you know, that's the second play of the offensive play of the game. I mean, that it was it was right from the get-go. He knew what was coming. And then the Billy Bowman one where he popped Sanders. I promise you, when he popped Sanders. Some things changed in that young man's life, too. Oh, yeah. Because Bowman tell. threw his yeah. – he had one catch for 16 yards. Yeah. Healthy, not healthy. We Oklahoma's defense has made absolute nobodies look like – offensive stars, all Americans. How many times have we played a nobody? And they're like, you know, that team's probably going to be pretty good this year. So I'd be surprised if they don't, you know, like the, the first year that when we barely beat Tulane and we're like, that team's probably going to, you know, go to a big bowl game. And they won one more game the rest of the season. But this one, this was crazy because you get Jatavian. I mean, it's, it's touchdown day, right? He's going in and he pops it up. And what's funny is you see that replay, and Key Lawrence, his hands are up in the air because of the incompletion. And here comes Dolby, and he catches the ball. And you're just like, what in the world? What? You? So, this defense now, like Sam said, they're thinking turnover, turnover, turnover. And you saw how many plays typically I get a little frustrated when I see guys take, a, you know, get, get, get a pass over the middle or something like that, and people are swinging at them, you know, for six or seven extra yards. Typically, but we've seen it work this year. And so, yeah, how would you like to feel if Billy Bowman is just absolutely just beating on your arms? Gentry Williams beating on your arms. Ethan Downs with his weird zombie makeup is just beating you up. And eventually, you've got to flinch or prep for that, and you're not thinking about juking. You're not thinking about X button. You're not thinking about any of that. You're thinking just hold on to the ball. And so, you, you know, when you look at this defense... This is a good offensive team in Texas. If they miss some opportunities, oh, you miss some opportunities, so we'll call that a wash. Quinn Ewers, and Frightening, um, I'm going to point out your, your stuff because Quinn Ewers may not have the strongest arm. I'm not going to go as far as Teddy Lehman said and say that he just doesn't have an NFL arm because there's a lot of guys in the NFL that don't have NFL arms. Um, there's a lot of guys out there who know how to do it, right? We saw Drew Brees just float balls into the right you know, area for years. We saw Peyton Manning win a Super Bowl, and that guy couldn't throw a screen pass with any zip on it. Like it it it, it sometimes you just have to be smarter. But I, I promise you this is the OU defense showed up to play Texas's offense, which has shown up when they played Alabama last year, they played Alabama this year, their offense took it to a next gear, took it to yep. another level, and they went after it. Texas did get theirs. And they had a lot of really really great plays, and a lot of those guys are going to be playing on Sundays. At, at you know, talking to Texas fans at the game and after the game, I won't talk about before because I got a hold of some some nut jobs. But um, but it, it's really cool to see. You know, we joked last week about is is OU and Texas carrying two different conferences right now? Well, until the Georgia kickoff, it kind of looked like that. And you got to be proud as an OU fan or a Texas fan to be rolling into the last year. Your mark's not there. Sankey is. And there was a little bit of unison in that. I didn't see any fighting. I didn't see anything. There was a mutual respect this this year, and yeah. it was a really, really cool thing to do. Um, and, and you saw a lot of injuries. This was a tough game. This was a, a hard-hitting game. And so for anybody to look at it and go, yeah, but are, are they really SEC ready? Uh, both of these teams are SEC ready.
1: Yeah, we're both set to, to make it to the SEC right now. And, you know, just – just quite frankly, with our ability to play and be physical, that's what's most important. The SEC games are typically one in the trenches. And the SEC usually has the biggest lines. The, they have usually the best technique. And granted, we went out there and did what we did to Texas like we you. I mean, it's it's a tradition as old as the game itself. Us owning Texas in the trenches. That's just kind of what we do. And so <laughs> that's that's the beauty of how we play, but Kind of want to piggyback back. So, Sam, I had a question for you on this one. We had to make an adjustment. McKay Matower went down. It appears to be um, possibly not serious, but we'll see what the uh, the diagnosis is on him. I'm waiting for BV's presser. I think it'll be tomorrow, and we'll be able to find out exactly what's going on with Matower. The but they brought in freshman Caden Green. So Caden's from the Kansas City area. One of his teammates, were still quote-unquote recruiting in williams Maneri, But Caden um, stepped in there, and he showed out. He looked the part. He looked like a guy that needs to start. When you look at the line and you see a young player come in, what, what, what do you look for for them to be able to perform or make you feel like you're comfortable with them going forward?
2: Well, the first thing you've got to acknowledge is Bill Biedenbeau is one of the best offensive line coaches in the country, and he's proved it year after year after year. Fair. I think the thing that what, where they've got caught up in the last probably three or four years is just the recruiting situation, right? Like we're, we're t- It's amazing what's happened to high school football across the country. And I think I'm going to do a podcast uh, here in the next couple of weeks about just offensive line play in general because there's a drought, right, in the country. I'm talking across the board. How many NFL teams right now do you watch every Sunday that don't have good offensive lines? I would say there are Not more NFL teams that don't have lines than there are NFL teams that good have, have good offensive lines. That's it true. is a struggle to find these kids, and it's a struggle to find them in a position where they've got a knowledge you know, from the time they are 15, 16, 17 years old to play physical football. Right? I go to high school games around the state, and what am I watching? I'm watching offensive linemen in two-point stances, run blocking. I'm watching offensive linemen who have never put their hands in the ground and fired off the football. I'm watching teams throw the ball 60, 70 times in a high school game. There no longer is an education of just how to just kick someone's ass, which is what offensive line play is in general. It's playing football in a phone booth, especially in the interior. So when you get a a freshman come in in the interior and across the line of scrimmage is a 360-pound nose guard, right? In my brain, I'm thinking, this boy's getting ready to die. And what we saw was the complete opposite, right? He absolutely had the knowledge. He knew exactly what he was doing. He didn't miss any assignments. And the support from this tackle in the center next to him to go out there and play as physical of a game as you want to. That's what you want for your guards. Your guards are goons, right? They're like the enforcers on hockey teams. It's not pretty. It's not sexy. They're not great athletes. They're just mm-hmm. nasty. These are the guys you want first off the bus. These are the guys that are most likely going to hit you in the face first. That's what the guard position is in the college game. And for the see Green come in there and watch him play the way he did in that atmosphere, with that noise, dealing with every little bit of thing that's going around him, the play as well as he did as a freshman, that's a huge, huge, huge deal. That's your starting guard for the next three years, the University of Oklahoma going into the sec y'all are talking about being sec ready i would have told you prior to the season i didn't think oklahoma or texas was going to be there but after watching this game i would tell you that the sooners are definitely on track to get themselves into a sec conversation and compete right off the bat are they going to win titles in the first three years in the sec who knows, but I'll tell you that they will be in the conversation if they continue to do the portal like they have here in the last year and if they continue to break, to get kids up to speed like Green was for this mm-hmm. game. That's what you want to see for sure. I think Bow is the key here, y'all. You want to talk about national titles? Mm-hmm. You want to talk about one this season? It's up to Bill Bow and that offensive line to continue to grow. They've got to match the efforts of that defense. The second that Levy can go out there and say, okay, cool, it's third quarter, we've got a 7-point lead. I want to run 13 plays here. Right? This is what great football teams are able to do. I want to run 13 plays on this drive. And he's going to sit out there and call 10 runs. When he can do that on command, that's when this team will be able to pick their pick the W's. That's when this team will be able to look at a semifinal game and think we've got an opportunity to win this thing. They've got to complement that defense as much as possible. Green going in there and playing as well as he did is a huge deal for Oklahoma, no question. Yeah,
1: and, that, and that's exactly right. And, and the question here was mentioned up a minute ago that wasn't he a, intended to come in at tackle? Yes, he's a left tackle. Uh, he's going to be a tackle. It'll be yep. him and um, Sexton and, and, and Sexton. Uh, it'll be him and Sexton. It'll probably be your bookends with Taylor rotating in. But the good thing about it and. Uh, Coach Dent, Marcus Dent, um, he he dropped in this about how much of a magician Coach B is. The one thing I noticed about his recruiting um, is that he always tries to recruit guys that, that are more versatile, ones that can play both positions. And, and he wants a guard and a tackle. He wants you to be able to do both because there's going to be moments he's going to throw you into situations where you play both. And like with Caden Green, perfect example, he was playing left guard at one point uh, of the season, and then he had to go to right because tower went down. And so you're like, this dude's ready to play every yeah, dude, just about every position. Really it's not simple. Yeah.
2: I'll be yeah. honest. I was an All-American, and I could have never done hmm. that. I'm just right. telling and, you. Like, it just wasn't – and this is very much a new way of thinking in in college football getting – you know, you want to go out and recruit power forwards, right, yes. guys that are – and then you want to put 30 pounds on them once they get to school. Uh, that kid's versatility and the ability to do what he did against the competition that he did it against, I'm telling you something. I mean, that, that might be – that, you know, it, it'll it never get the respect that it deserves because there's too many other great moments in this game. But him coming in there, and I guarantee you BV and Coach B will let him know it privately the job that he did might have saved this team from losing that game, honestly.
1: Yeah, and that was that's kind of one of the, the the big things with that is the, the ability to be that versatile. So I say this to Sooner fans. We're going to jump into y'all's questions because y'all got a lot of good questions in here before we wrap things up. But um, that was, if you look at the players that Bow is recruiting, he's not recruiting your traditional elite five-star offensive lineman. And that's your reason. He's looking for guys that are multiple. Tyler Guyton was not a highly recruited player. He played tight end a little bit in high school, and he was a defensive tackle when he first went to TCU. We got him out the portal. We saw how raw he was. Beat and Bo said, no, nah, I can make him into something. Dude's right now looking like a first round tackle in the draft. He is being graded in the first or second round today in the NFL draft. That's what Beat and Bo does. That's the thing we've got to keep in mind. So, all right, let's look at some of these questions. Oh, here's a good one. We got a super chat. G, thank you so much for the two bucks. We appreciate it. Is Texas O line that overrated or are we that good? Sam. How did you answer that? What'd you think?
2: Yeah, I don't think the Texas offensive line is overrated. I think they lost their center early in the game, which is a huge loss, right? That's the captain of your everybody wants to talk about quarterbacks and how knowledgeable they are and other things, but before the quarterback even gets the ball, the center has decided a few things that are going to help this, their team have success. So you lose that kid early, I think it just everybody, you know, from the on from the inside out. And I think that was a big reason why Texas offensive line struggled the way that they did. But as far as the individual is concerned, those dudes can play, right? They've got some NFL draft picks on that Texas offensive line. I, I think that Oklahoma's defensive front had the game of a lifetime, a real statement game, and one that I didn't think was ca- they were capable of having, to be completely honest with you. So I would say that hey. Oklahoma played that good in the game to overcome a very good offensive line. I'll tell you right now, the rest of the Big 12, looked at that game, and they said, oh, shit. I'm dead serious. Because no one, no one, I guarantee, like if you ask me where Oklahoma was going to struggle the most, I would, I said this in my pregame show. Like, I, I call them gold-nutted studs. There's not one kid on that defensive line that I look at from Oklahoma that I'm going to write home about. Not one of them. I would have not have taken the time as a player to look at the scout report and think, oh, this kid is going to be worth my time today. They look like guys that were well coached and they do their damn jobs, and you got to respect them for that. But none of them just right. wowed me as far as playmaking ability. Well, what happened from the time they got on the bus from the hotel to get to the Cotton Bowl? I don't know what it was, but all of a sudden it looked like they had three or four draft picks on that defensive line uh, You know, a quarter into that game. It was crazy. I mean, they, they absolutely put foot to ass for four quarters and were the catalyst on why the Oklahoma defense was able to play the way they did. So, yeah,
1: and 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 my boy, Frightening Truth, he's a Texas fan. He always comes to support the show. Got nothing but love for him. But, yeah, I, I, I'm 100% stick to the statement I said. OU, and you can ask any Texas fans. That's basically what most Texas analysts, Texas uh, hardcore fans have said. The difference between why Oklahoma has beat Texas so much from the year 2000 all the way up is that OU has owned them in the trenches. We have. Recruiting for you all – that has been a struggle. Sark is changing that, which I give him props for. But at the same time, I'm just going to say we 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 a tradition like the game as old as the game itself. Uh, Mike, this is a good one. Does anyone mention how BV is coaching at a high level with his wife going through all the cancer stuff? I, no one's really talked about that. Like that man, that man's focused. <laughs> you got to be because I know that that's a tough, that's a tough thing to go through. Matt, props look- to BV for that.
0: Yeah, and you got to look at sports traditionally. I mean, just look in our lifetime alone. Nine eleven. Um, you know everything with um, everything with uh, you know racial equality and everything. Sometimes sports is the the outlet, and it is the thing that allows you to really focus on something and get away from what's going and go, going on in life. Because when I mean, you look at every single Saturday, there's a stadium full of people who are going through stuff. And, um, you know, OU showed out and uh, first game of the season, you know, put a good effort out there to pink out the stadium uh, for Brent's wife. I mean, he this this university means everything to him. This is his heart and this is his family. And now he has a hundred some odd, you know, children that he wants to invest in. And so I promise you now, if the the man that Brent Venables is, it, it takes a special I mean, Sam. Back me up on this one. It takes a special woman in all of our lives to allow us to, you know, endure us in most situations, but allow us and be supportive enough to do these things, right? Uh, what's going on in the background? You guys hear most of the time, my kids are running around like psychos and my wife's taking care of them so I can sit here and talk about football with uh, other guys. Um, but Brent goes out there, he recruits, he's doing that stuff, and she helps, you know, I, I promise you, if you, when this is all said and done, I, if you ask Brent, he's going to say that she was encouraging me just as much as the other way around. Oh, yeah. And I would believe he that is, and he yeah. is doing a job and it, it, it's a culture right now because, um, let's see here. Lester brought up the question. If you want to search that one up, Jay, about Quinn Ewers, having the, uh, the mentalist come in to help him. Uh, yeah. A doctor's brought in to mentally prepare him, prepare him uh, for that, you know, this this is a tough game. I mean, this is a very very tough game because it, you know when you're I was a pitcher, and so when you're a pitcher, you've got the batter and you've got runners on base, right? You've got defensive alignments behind you, but I mean, you really have one job to do, and then until the ball's hit. Well, then, you know, as a quarterback, you've got the play call. You've got adjustments. You've got to look over the sideline, and everything's changing. So the mentality of that is is super, super tough. I mean, it just really is. And I try to be a quarterback, and I was not never going to do it. It wasn't going to happen. I wasn't smart enough. I wasn't wise enough. But, I mean, this is a big thing, mental health in sports and, you know, the mentalist job. There's a lot of people who are making a lot of money doing this nowadays because of it. And so, I, I mean, I got to think that if someone got brought in to help uh, yours stay mentally prepared, that guy could have crumbled like a cheap folding chair right from the get-go. <laughs> Second play of the game, but he didn't. He stuck in there. He took his licks, and he stayed in. And, uh, you know, that you've seen – go look at what's going on in Denver right now. That is a shit show of uh, an organization – uh, Russell Wilson just fumbled the ball away to let the Jets with uh, you know with Wilson at quarterback beat them, and now they're one and four. I don't know what's yeah. going on, but I think they need a mentalist because there's something going on. So, you know, if that's what it takes, and if and if and if Sark has that type of commitment, I mean that as a Texas fan, I mean that's what you want, right? Do whatever you can, and I got to give props to Quinn to you know to say like, yeah, yeah, come on in. Do you see? You know, Sp- 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 Spencer Rattler being like, Yeah, yeah, let's coach. I'll-, I'll go talk to a mentalist to make sure that I'm game ready. I, you know, I don't think that happens.
1: Yeah, it's very rare. Sam, you think this is a uh, game of the year so far?
2: Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, the Cotton Bowl, the State Fair of Texas, two great teams, great tradition, uh, unbelievable football game. You know, I was talking to a buddy of mine earlier today. It doesn't matter what the jerseys are said, right? You could have put them in one team in purple and one team in green. And I would have left that game going, oh my God, that's one of the best games I've watched in, in five, 10 years. I mean, it was, it gave you every single bit of emotion, uh, great plays, physical plays, hard hits, great passes, electric execution, uh, great coaching from both sidelines. I mean, it was, yeah. it was the perfect game. It was everything that we could hope for.
1: Uh, uh, cool. What you think? Game of the year?
0: Yeah. Um, because, you know, and Blake just brings up a question, kind of something I was going to go with. The gamesmanship that was going on and they said it, uh, again, I just watched the replay as soon as I got back in town. But there was a, a little, just people are calling out BV for sign stealing. Again, bring up baseball. It is If you do not have a system in place to prevent that, I mean, that's on you. Bro, so, you're, like if, if,
2: you're not trying. Like, I don't want to hear yeah, that garbage. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm just I'm it's just not, telling you straight up. Like, if you, if you think that I wasn't listening to every single call the defense made for four quarters of football, like, you have to find a way. Find a way to have success. If Texas is the out teacher. there giving up signs that were so easy to read that they, oh, you use it as an advantage, that's on Texas. Like, I don't want to hear that garbage. That's ridiculous.
0: Yeah. And, and so, I, I'm saying this. If you, got, um, if you got a situation where Sark is sending in plays super, super late so that BV can't adjust, that's gamesmanship. That, that's, that's part of it. And, it, you know, it, it is, it, you know, if anything, you got to say extra props to the preparation and, and to BV and that defensive staff because if they're doing all that stuff and, you know, they're still out there making plays, I mean, that, that takes some intestinal fortitude, and it, it was. I mean, Sark is a very, very talented play caller. And Brent Venables is a very, very, very talented play caller on the other side. And there was, there was a little uh, tete-a-tete going on with that. And um, But as far as the game of the year, I mean, you have Texas where some people were calling Texas potential best team in the country. And then Oklahoma, nobody was really having conversation. It was more along the, well, they still haven't played anybody. You play the teams in front of you, you go out and you do what you're supposed to do. Right, so you go vanilla for the first five games of the season, and then now you have this first measuring stick, and this is this is one. It ends with 15 seconds to go. There's there's opportunity to galore. Um, you saw mistakes. You saw opportunities. You saw opportunistic playing. Uh, Texas had multiple chances to just basically say, you know what, we got them again in December. Let's let's wrap it up and let's go do this another day. Let's win out. But they kept fighting to the very end and you saw that with the the 15 seconds left. I mean yeah. that was it, it was it was it was something good so yeah I mean I don't know I don't know of another game that's better than this one.
1: Yeah, I'm in the same boat I think that there was game of the year right now the Texas Alabama game was really good but it didn't the, the ending was Texas took over and won the game so you didn't you didn't really have anything last minute one minute with the drive and game winner. With so much implications long-term, like like a bigger deal of things. I think this one was definitely the one. Moses, thank you for the 15 bucks. We really appreciate it. AP poll dropped. Oklahoma moves to five. Texas moves to nine, right above USC, which dropped a spot to 10. And then Alabama was number 11. Thoughts on the AP poll? Personally, I think five is fair. We still got to play more games. It's it's the most legitimate
2: top five Oklahoma's had in, in 15 years. I mean, let's just call it what it is, right? This is a this is the first uh, total, complete uh, team that OU's had in the top five AP poll in 15 years. This is a team that Oklahoma fans could lean on and expect to show up and play physical, play fast, play smart for four quarters of football. It would be surprising to watch this team show up unprepared or allow someone to sneak up on them and play did or Army did or Houston did. I'm just naming a few that I can remember in the last 10 years, some bullshit performances by Lincoln Riley teams who just didn't have the mindset for it. They weren't tough here, right? They weren't tough here and they weren't tough here. This team is tough in the mind, tough in the heart. It's a legitimate top five AP. And when you look at the top 10 in college football right now, tell me what team do you outside of Georgia who looks like the Monstars, Georgia's going to beat you with bodies. and I hate to say it to OU fans, but they're not close to that yet. There's not a whole lot of teams in college football that are close to what Georgia puts on the field. And from player one to 22, those dudes are too big, too fast, too strong. They have a mindset in Georgia that no one is going to catch anytime soon. Now, can Oklahoma get themselves in a conversation with them down in the next five games? Maybe. Maybe, yeah. but they're not going to take the field with Georgia and be, I'm not going to pick OU to beat Georgia in a semifinal game. Like, they're not there yet. But every other team in the top 10, I 100% feel like the Sooners got an opportunity. I just do. They're too well coached. They got too many dudes on that football team that are playing great right now. If they can stay healthy, then Oklahoma's going to find themselves in a, with an opportunity to be one of the final four teams this year.
1: I like that. Okay, that's a good point. Coop, you like that number five spot?
0: Yeah, I mean, somebody said, "Oh, you plays better as an underdog," and I've never thought about it like Sam just said about the the most legitimate top five because um, you know we saw it back in two thousand as you, you run through Nebraska, K State, um, you get up into that 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 upper echelon, and now people are going to start picking out. So expect as an Oklahoma fan. You got to expect people to be like, you know what? Maybe Texas wasn't as good. I mean, they did beat Alabama, but Alabama hasn't been as good as they they. You know, it wasn't the typical Alabama team. People are gonna they're they're looking for it, right? Uh, Georgia has the same situation. They haven't played anybody. They had Kentucky. Some folks were saying, "Hey, you might want to pay attention to this." They they walked out and they beat Kentucky up, down, sideways, and backwards yesterday. They had the opportunity. To go out and lay an egg, and they they didn't. They dominated, and so Georgia well, has and earned like the rights.
2: Give a shout out to Kentucky, real quick. Fast, physical, smart. Yeah, hundred percent. Kentucky was Kentucky has key players on that team that maybe could potentially have thrown a wrench into what Georgia does, and Georgia put the steamroller on and beat the mm-hmm. ever loving crap out of them for four quarters. Like that yeah. team is the truth, hundred percent.
0: Yeah, and. and and here's, here's what you got, is Georgia is the king. And like I said before, we have played this game uh, for years and years and years. It's called King of the Hill. Until someone knocks you off the hill, you're the king of the hill. And nobody's knocked Georgia off in two years. And so you go at it. Uh, you look at Michigan. You know they've, They are at a different level than they have been, but it's still a Big Ten team, and I, I want to see it. Um, Ohio State you know both of those teams ain't going to be right there at the end of the year because they're going to have to have that conference championship game so you got florida state looming um you know a little bit more upset around the coaches pool but uh, everybody in front of us is going to be playing each other and going to be moving folks out Uh, you know it's going to happen so you let the game play out uh the six and seven uh from uh, i can't can't remember who said it but they, that coaching staff has continued every single day to let them know hey last year we were six and seven last year we were six and seven last year we were six and seven and so all those one possession games they lost last year, you know it's, it's you guys cannot give up because if you give up, someone's gonna come in then all that hard work goes away because you you, you blinked for one second. so I'm okay with uh, go okay with the top five because I promise you, we sit here today, I go back to you the beginning of the season, and I say, Sam, OU's going to be number five after beating Texas at the Red River rivalry, and every single person goes, you couldn't be more happy with what's going on right then. Because that last year's team, it did happen. And this is the opportunity that OU, you, you continue to play. It's by week is the perfect time, too.
2: Y'all going to get oh, it okay. like a button where you hit, where somebody's had too many beers in the chat. Corey Davis has had too many beers. <laughs> it's a better team than Georgia. And I think the other one, it says the OU has played the equivalent of Georgia. Who would that be? Who's OU played that's the equivalent of Georgia? I would love to know that.
1: Right, that's actually a good question. Give me that. So I got another one for you. Uh, this is a good question. Clara asked this. Do you think installing a couple of wishbone packages would
2: help the run game? <laughs> I would. Tell I, that's you a fascinating you, question. I mean, it's it, OU – as good as that offensive line played, you got to have some real mfers up front to walk up to the line of scrimmage and basically announce to the to God and everyone else that you're going to run the football, right. right? Like you you don't. I mean, the reason you don't see traditional I formations as much in college football anymore because that is you basically telling the other team we're going to line up and run between the tackles here. And guys, just you don't have offensive linemen like that anymore. You know what I mean? I was watching old film of Larry Allen. By the way, the Cowboys get ready to Ooh. kick off here in about 10 minutes. I'm going to have to get off this thing. My, <laughs> house gets, my house gets yeah. a little weird around Dallas Cowboy kickoff time. But Oh, yeah, um, same. I would tell you, you know, watching Larry Allen play, um, who was the all-time great, like um, that dude's, he could get in his stance and tell the defensive tackle across from him, the ball is coming in the A-gap. I dare you to stop me. And no oh, one could, God. right? They don't make dudes like that anymore. And Oklahoma certainly doesn't have them. On their offensive line, there's got to be, they have to hide it, right? You have to disguise it. You have to be um, fluid with the way that you run the football and where you attack opposing defenses. You know, the wishbone is an announcement of we're just going to do this and you can't stop it. There's some trickery involved, no doubt, but they still know you're running the football, right? They still know you're running the football. And to run the football, you've got to move bodies off the line of scrimmage. Just head up, drive block in your face. You know, dudes set more screens a day in college football than they do drive blocks. So I yeah. would tell you that, you know, if they upgraded it in the middle and they had a 340-pound center that was eating dimes and shitting out nails, then, yeah, go for it. I just don't think they're built for it right now. <laughs> I
1: agree. I think Trent Williams is probably the last Sooner offensive 100%. lineman. that really was. Well, like, I think
2: Cody had some of that, right? Cody, Ford, true. Yeah. Cody Ford Cody did, yeah. Cody Humphreys absolutely had some of that, like if they wanted to. But you know these dudes, this group right here is just not. You know, Rame is too much of a skill. That's a skill player, y'all.
1: Yeah. Rame is a
2: skill player at the center position. He's fantastic. His technique is flawless. Hand placement is great. But when it comes down to just body weight and mass and Being strength, nasty
1: enough. Yeah, yeah,
2: he's just not that dude, right? So I, I would, I appreciate that. Look, I'd love to see it. Like I'm, I'm, I ran a stack guy in high school. High school. We had one receiver. Two tight ends, up back, full back, tail back. Maurice Claret was my tail back in high school. Ooh. So that's all we did was just ground and pound. But my whole offensive line weighed 325 pounds, all five of us, right? And as 18, yeah. 17, and 16-year-olds, you know, so that was the mindset of our team, and no one could stop us from doing it because we were just so big. It would take a lot more for Oklahoma to be able to do some of those things.
1: That's a fair point. Real quick, injuries. What we've heard is McKay Matowers should be good in a few weeks. Uh, nothing serious is what I've what I've been uh, throwing my direction. And I think Gabe mentioned that uh, Gentry Williams was dehydrated, and that was the reason why he was he came out the game, and he should be good. And they talked about that on the Oklahoma breakdown, so he should be solid. But Andrew Anthony, we're still waiting to find out results, and I'm terrified that he's probably going to be done for the year um so that's the three players that we really saw billy bowman i think he's got shook up and he's fine good thing is we've got the bye week this week so uh i think we'll beat i think we'll beat the bye week this week but um you never know sometimes uh, things happen in the bye week that can lead to bad things so one last question we can get out of here because the cowboys about to kick off thoughts on the rest of the schedule now, you know, we do have a, a decent amount of games against teams that we have a lot of questions about. From UCF in two weeks, Kansas, we travel to Lawrence, which is going to be probably
2: a That's dog fight. That's, That's the a game. game. 100%. That's the game. Bet,
1: the final yeah. betlam will be the first weekend in November in Stillwater. Um, then West Virginia comes to town, which West Virginia is, what, five and one right now. Uh, four and one right now. I don't know where that came from, but that's kind of terrifying to me. I'll tell you right traveling. now where it came from.
2: They got a couple of uh, of NFL draft picks on their offensive line. That is true. Like they got some dudes that are going to play in the league on that offensive line, and they're able to do whatever they want to offensively. I bet you. I bet I haven't looked at the numbers, but I, Jay, I'm sure you will. You seem like a numbers dude. <laughs> yeah. I want you to look at how many how many defensive snaps West Virginia has taken this year in comparison to the rest of the league. I promise you. It's less. Oh, promise. You. Okay.
1: That's yeah. interesting. Let me go to PFF and look that up. Cause that's a fascinating, I didn't, I would, that's a good one. We're going to look that up. Um, I just, I just this, got a note
2: from my wife that says the adults are playing football. Wrap it up.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yes, ma'am. You know what? That will make it be done. We will wrap things up, Sam. Thank you so much for pulling up to the I channel. Appreciate we you appreciate guys. you coming by and hanging out. Uh, check them out. In the description, I'm going to have the link to his uh, channel in the trenches with Sam Mays. Definitely go show him some love. They're growing over there at the Sellout Crowd. We love it. Coop, as usual, thanks a bunch. And uh, with that, we will chop it up with all of you in like the next couple of days.
2: Cheers, guys.